podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome uh, to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast, episode three. And Brendan Rogers is uh, the name. It's the it's the topic. It's the conversation. Once again, um, we were here last week, and I think we were kind of speculating and thinking that that was probably going to be the end for Brendan if he lost in a particularly embarrassing manner to Brighton. Well, um, that happened. But as we record on Wednesday evening, Brendan Rogers is, is still very much in employment. And uh, we believe that he has, again, um, this weekend. So it's Aston Villa this weekend. We dubbed it El Sacico last week. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where we are with that one. I'd imagine most Leicester fans are feeling relatively similar about um, that game as we head into it. Of course, delighted to say, as ever, joined uh, by Jack Holmes and Jordan Halford. Uh, how are we, boys? Are we OK? Good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. You OK, Jordan? Yeah, I'm slightly worse than last week, but I'm OK, other than <laughs> football. Yes, yeah, so we were just talking about you know bullet points in terms of how we're going to break up this episode today. And it was like, well, we'll talk about Brighton, which will end up with us talking about Brendan Rodgers. We'll look ahead to Aston Villa, which will probably mean we talk about the future of Brendan Rodgers. There's been big news this week in that Chelsea have sacked Thomas Tuchel and it looks like Graham Potter um, is going to head to Chelsea, which kind of then brings its way back round to Brendan Rodgers because I've seen people linking him now potentially with that Brighton job. And also, I think lots of people will perhaps be sat there thinking maybe if Leicester had acted sooner, Graham Potter could have been someone that they potentially could have tried for. Um, so, Jack, I'll, I'll start with you. Post Brighton and and that five two, did you see that result coming? And I know it's been a few days. Are you over it yet? I, th- I think I'm finally getting over it today. Did I see the result coming? I guess yes and no. I I thought we'd win on Sunday morning. I don't know whether it's I'm spending too much time with you uh, recently, <laughs> but I, I, I'm trying to put a positive spin on things, and I. I just thought there might be a little bit of a, a shift on from uh, Man U's a, a tough game. And I thought we were poor, but Man U were, were decent. Um, and I, I thought the Brighton game was a, was a real opportunity to kind of set the record straight. Um, it started really well. And after a minute or so, I thought, you know, we're back. Um, and then it got steadily worse. Um, and in the end, it was, and I don't often say this, it was it was a pretty embarrassing result because it wasn't, the, I, the spirit went from the side. And I guess that was the, that was the most concerning thing for me. Um, and there were arguments between players and, you know, sometimes you don't mind that because you think they care, but it, it didn't, it, it was the first time I thought, I'm not sure, whether Rogers has got the dressing room or whether the dressing room know what Rogers is trying to say, but in in that second half there was some real worrying signs for me. I think. Mm, I mean, we've seen two Premier League managers already lose their job this year in in Scott Parker and, and Thomas Tuchel, and I think you can draw similarities and comparisons between the two in the fact that you could you could kind of sense it from the pair of them in terms of what they were saying to the media after matches that that maybe you could sense that. <sighs> They weren't particularly happy at the club, etc. And I mean, the question to you, Jordan, is that we've we've seen not just similar from from Brendan Rodgers, but I'd say significantly um, clearer 
um, messages, not just from what he's saying, but also from the performances on the pitch. Be honest, are you surprised that, that those two have lost their job and Brendan's still in employment? Yeah, I think I am, to be honest. Um, you know, you look at the table, obviously we're the only side without a win and we've lost five on the bounce and he's still in a job. Um, I mean, I know Bournemouth had just come up and conceded nine uh, at Liverpool. Um, I was still kind of quite surprised that Parker had gone. And and same with Tuchel. I mean, Chelsea haven't looked very good at all this season, considering the amount of money they've spent. Um, but, you know, judging by their fans' reaction as well, I think they were pretty surprised. And obviously, I've been a huge Rodgers defender. Um, but the second half performance was was so poor. Um, it's getting increasingly difficult to defend now. And I think in the first half, you know, like Jack said, we we started on fire. And I thought, well, we finally got that reaction that we've been waiting for. Um, and, you know, the window had closed. This was the first game after the window. And I thought, right, this is, this is you know, where the season starts for us. And then... I mean, I thought the, the, the equaliser was slightly unlucky that it's, it's come off Thomas. But, I mean, there's a, there's a crossfield ball. No one's closing him down. The cross comes back in. Justin's not closing him down. Thomas isn't close enough to his man. Goal. And then the second goal was terrible. But, again, we got ourselves back into the game at 2-2. And, you know, we looked like scoring, to be fair, with, with um, Kellen and Dakar up front. Obviously, he dropped Vardy and made a pretty brave decision and both the strikers had scored so that paid off but in the second half it was just a complete capitulation um you know obviously um alexis scored that wonder goal that was ruled out rightly so from my perspective but i mean brian could have got five six seven couldn't they obviously they did get five but <laughs> they could have got <laughs> six or seven and you know i, I didn't think danny ward played very well but he did actually make two or three saves from range and like Jack said, you know, and Didi and Ward are arguing, Amati and Ma- Madison were arguing, Evans just looked completely distraught with everything around him, pretty much. It was like that, you know, the gif of that dog that sits in the room and everything behind him's on fire. That kind of reminded me of Johnny Evans on Sunday. And yeah, um, it, it just is it's increasingly difficult to, to defend. Um, there was a good article in The Athletic from Rob Tanner. And he said, you know, it's pretty clear that things can't continue in the way they are. So I can understand why he's got this game and potentially Tottenham before the international break. But I think you said last week, Jake, I was probably slightly too optimistic in saying we need to give him to the next transfer window. But you said you think he's got one or two games. And I think that that's what it looks like now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should dwell too much on Brighton, to be honest, because it... He was dreadful, wasn't it? it can I, it, can it, I say it, one thing about Brian? Yes, Jake? yeah, go on. I thought Pat Sandaka was very good. Yes, um, okay. And the goal he scored was prime drink water to Vardy in the championship mm. winning season. But I thought he took it brilliantly. Um, I feel a little bit vindicated after I defended <laughs> him so heavily last week. But I think he, he definitely needs support up with him. But it, it did show showed to me that, you know, there are decent players in this squad and the manager's not necessarily getting the best out of them at the moment and and that's what we need to do. So that that was that was the big positive for me and probably the only positive. Yeah, well, uh, OK, then. Well, let's just stick on that then for a moment with Daka and Iheanacho. I mean, I've previously been a, a big supporter of, of Iheanacho on, you know, social media, just, you know, 
suggesting and you know not really understanding at times why he hasn't had more game time. Now I think ultimately what it boils down to is is formation and, and finding a place for him to to fit in. But the question then I'm I'm looking at in terms of then what we did see yesterday or sorry um, Sunday with Dakar and, and Ian Atcher up front is do they have the the makings of a, of a good partnership there? Because naturally you, you've got one in Dakar who sits on on the shoulder of the, of the man and and Ian Atcher who who drops in. And I know that that Vardy can do a similar job as such, but should we be looking at, at Dakar and Ian Atcher as a, a potential partnership? I I think it's not a bad. I think we've got to try something a little bit different. When he, I think when he played at Salzburg, he played in a two, um, and that he definitely seems to play better when he plays with someone up near him and alongside him. I think the challenge is how you get James Madison into that formation as well. Yeah, and how we balance the rest of the team more than anything because if we play three at the back, I don't think that's the best formation for us and uh, we have one centre half that the manager currently rates so trying to find three will be very very difficult you then play 4-4-2 which is a system which he doesn't like and doesn't want to give it any time I thought Madison was shocking on Sunday and just looked like he didn't know where to stand so I, there's there's a way to find a team there and I definitely think that was you know those two with a bright spark I mean, the only other thing you could do is try Ian Acho on the right, cutting in. Um, but no one's ever seemed to try him there. Um, so that's that's the only other thought. I mean, he can't do much of a worse job than many of the other people we've had play right wing. <laughs> no. Um, Jordan, what's your thoughts on a Dakar and Ian Acho front two? Yeah, I mean, like I say, in the first half, I thought, you know, we all know we can't defend. So it's a bit no. a bit like we've got to outscore the opposition. But, you know, we've been pretty slow in our build-up play so far this season. And to have two up front, I thought we looked pretty dangerous, especially being away from home against the, quite a good side. And as I said, it was, it was a really big decision to take Vardy out um, of the starting eleven. You know, he'd not scored so far this season. And I don't really, I don't really blame Rodgers for, for putting Vardy on the bench. So... But we, played Thursday, had... we played Thursday, Sunday, though, didn't we? You know, yeah. that, that's probably the reason, isn't it? Rather, because you know, people naturally look at it when he's on the bench and think, "Oh, Vardy's been dropped." It's like, well, he's he's thirty six in a couple of months. He, is he really going to be playing Thursday and Sunday when you've got Dakar and Ian Acho on the bench? Are, are we, you know, is there, there is a chance I think potentially people look too deeply into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a fair a fair comment, but um, you know, he's not he's not had the most. Well, the best service this season, and he's he's obviously not got off the mark yet. So, no, I wasn't too surprised to see that. But, um, like Jack said, you know, you, I, well, you, you've got to play two up front because I don't think either of them can play up front on their own. But they did look like they complemented each other quite well. Um, the problem there is, you know, when the t I saw the team, I didn't didn't know where Madison was playing. I didn't know where Barnes was playing. You know, it looked like Sumari was kind of holding and. And it was like a diamond. It, well, it looked a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, but, you know, as far as, as those two go, they were probably the only positive. And like Jack said, we've only got one centre-half. So let alone finding three. I mean, the, the back four at the minute just looks an absolute shambles. Back five, I include the goalkeeper in that as well. Um, but if we're looking for positives... Um, <laughs> Always. Ian Acho, Ian, Ian Acho and Dakar, I'd probably start them both against Villa at the weekend, but I'm sure we'll come on to the defending at some point as well. I mean, that's the obvious place that Rodgers needs to start at the weekend. 
Mm. Um, now, I, I wanted to mention as well, we were hoping to be joined by Premier League winner, uh, Leicester legend, Danny Simpson this evening. Now, unfortunately, Danny has uh, been unable to, to make the recording of, of tonight, but I have spoken to Danny over the last couple of days. He's keen to come on and, and we're hoping to reschedule for, for next week. But one of the main reasons we wanted to speak to, to Danny was because he's actually been somebody who, um, in the media, on, on TalkSport and, and various other, just on Twitter as well, we've been offering that support to, to Brendan Rodgers. He still believes that you know, Brendan is the right man to to turn it round, and uh, you know you can understand why because first and foremost we all recognise that Brendan Rodgers is a is a good coach, and also you know Danny has has played you know with him and has been training with the club you know since leaving the club, so it's it's, it's someone obviously he he respects very very um, highly. But I think Danny now finds himself absolutely in the minority in terms of people who are who are backing the the manager himself. But as I said, you know, fingers crossed we'll, we'll get Danny on the podcast next week. But but lads, let's talk an, about Brendan Rogers and then what he said post-match. Um, I think once again it was slightly I didn't use the word annoying. Um, you know, I, I didn't like what he said again. And I think on Monday, various people, if you WhatsApp groups that talk about less, you're probably saying, Well, do you think he's gonna get the sack today or has he been sacked yet? And it didn't happen. And then it, it kind of emerged through social media on maybe Tuesday or such that, that he was probably going to get another game. And uh, it's, it's Aston Villa, which is is absolutely massive. That you know, Aston Villa have, have also had a, a, a dreadful start to the season. Steven Gerrard and his job is is probably under threat as well. Um, I've got some questions that, that people have, have tweeted and we'll go through those in a couple of moments. But the question I'm going to throw now to, to you both is, is do you think there is any chance whatsoever not that we win this game, but that Brendan Rodgers can can turn this around. Do you think that in two months' time we could be sat here having this conversation, thinking or saying to each other, "Do you remember when we thought Brendan Rodgers was going to get sacked?" I'd be very, very surprised. So uh, I like Jordan. Have been, you know, give him time. He's a good manager. He'll turn it round. Uh, I think it's getting pretty untenable now. I mean, he's. And to go, you know, to go to the comments, I I don't try and read in too much to kind of what what he says sometimes. But there was one comment that particularly wound me up on Sunday about the fans supporting the players, and I wasn't there. But as far as I'm aware, the fans were singing Danny Ward's name and Luke Thomas's name, who were having tough games. And I think the fans have been pretty supportive, and it's a long old trip on a on a Sunday to be served up absolute dross. Um, so I thought, I thought he was a very brave man to do that. Cause I think, you know, he's not, he's, he's, he's an intelligent man and he's clever with his words, but you know what he's trying to say when he, when he says it and he's, you know, he's, he's dug out the owners a little bit now. He's dug out, I mean, certain players to sort of, uh, he's, he's stuck them out a long way. And I, I didn't like the comments about the fans, particularly on a Sunday when you've just been thrashed like that. I, I just think, you know, just, um, I'm going to say again, have a day off, Brendan. Um, hmm. Yeah. It, well, it's not fair. Well, well, what he said was, wasn't it, that he thought that the, the way that the, the fans were reacting to some of the defending or some of the things that were happening was 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 making the players anxious. You know, that, um, yeah, had, uh, yeah, and and 
I think that, that Brendan... They're making me that, anxious, though. Exactly. There's a little stopper moment. You know, what's actually happening here is that we're defending so badly, a team which you're coaching, which is making us anxious, and we can't help but be anxious. Now, I'm afraid that, that if that's making the players anxious, that that's not our fault. It's because we're defending horrendously, and it's really horrible watching us try and defend. And to, to, to come out after conceding five goals against Brighton, a team, by the way, which notoriously can't score goals, and it should have been six. I don't think Brighton have ever scored five goals, by the way, in the Premier League. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody knows this for a fact, but I don't think they ever have done before, you know. <laughs> and for him to then come out and say that it was in some way our fault because we were making the defenders anxious, I thought that that's right up there in terms of the most ridiculous and the worst things, Jordan, that I think Brendan has, has said in recent weeks. Yeah, um, I, like Jack, I, I think I don't want to read too much into it. I can kind of see what he's trying to get at. And I think what he is trying to say is stay behind the team and stay behind the players. Um, as for making the players anxious, well, like Jack says, I mean, some of the defending, it makes it makes me you know squirm inside <laughs> watching it. I've, I've defended better myself on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, but like Jack said, again, I, I think we've been pretty good. Um, you know, I didn't go to Brian. I spoke to a few people who were down there and they said the support was really good. They got behind the team and, you know, it could have been a lot, lot worse. I really worry for Saturday because it's a huge game, you know, not for Brendan Rodgers. It's a huge game for the football club. Um, you know, we, we've got to win on Saturday, kickstart the season. And, and hopefully in two months, like you say, Jake, we'll be looking back at this and, you know, we'll be halfway up the table and things will look a bit more rosy. But, we, you know, you can't go into the international break without a win. So hopefully on, on Saturday, you know, we're, we're all behind the team. But it does worry me if, if Villa score first because it, the, the confidence of the team will be on the floor. And I think the atmosphere inside the ground will just be so flat and toxic. But um, it, 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 it's not really, you know, you know, for him to say that kind of thing. Um, and Pipes was was spot on. I heard Pipes on on Radio Leicester. He said it kind of seems that he's not talking to the fans or the club or the players. He's kind of talking to the world of football or the, the rest of the football community and saying, "Look, this is what I've got to deal with. Um, you know, look look what I've done with them so far, and this is kind of you know the the real Leicester. You know, and I've done a great job. Um, so that, that that is quite concerning, I think." And Jack used the word untenable. There was kind of rumours going around that at half-time there was a bit of a disagreement, to put it politely, um, when he changed the system to five at the back. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was true in the dressing room because that second-half performance looked like something was wrong. Um, mm. I, was, I was really curious, actually, on Sunday evening. Um, I watched the game, actually, in the pub with my friends. Um, only one of them was a Leicester fan. I never do that. I normally watch it at home, but they actually cheered me up, so I wasn't too down on uh, on Sunday evening. But I was really curious how this week would be on the training pitch because, you know, if if those disagreements are filtering through onto the pitch, which you could quite clearly see, then the training ground probably isn't going to be the best place to be this week. So um, we'll see on Saturday. But it's, it's going to be a, a huge, huge game. I, I think I don't like saying that they've, you know, got a win after seven games, but I think it is a must-win game on Saturday. Yeah, and um, maybe we should just expand a little bit on 
the speculation, but at the same time, stress is just speculation of of what you know people have <laughs> talked about happened on Sunday at half time. It was at half time, wasn't it, Jordan, where they changed the formation to a back five, brought Castagna on, didn't they, for, for Harvey Barnes? And rumours, I mean, we must state rumours that the players weren't particularly happy with the decision made by by Brendan. Um, I won't, again, I don't need to name players of, of ones that reportedly took issue with it, but it was too all at, at half time. You know, Leicester was still very much in the game and it does, it does feel bizarre that at half time at, at two all, when you still have an opportunity to win the game, Brendan Rodgers decides to go to to a back five and and takes off Harvey Barnes. You know, one of if not, well, I'm not saying no, he's just he's just a, a very good player. It just seems odd to to bring off Harvey Barnes and do that formation change. And there was rumours that you know some of the players were, were very unhappy with that. Hence the disastrous second half performance that we saw. Um, do I need to expand anything else on that? Or is that covered? I think I think that's fair. And like you say, Jake. Yeah, you know, obviously no one knows what goes on in the changing no, room. No, we don't. Uh, um, but, you know, Rob, like I said, alluded to Rob Tanner's article when he kind of used the word disillusionment or disillusioned. Um, you know, Rob, very, very informed. Whether that's come from the dressing room at half time, you know, nobody knows. But, um, you know, once the players start looking a bit disillusioned on the pitch with, with the tactics and what's going on, then... I almost think that's more the writing on the wall than the fans. And like Jack said, that second half was the first time I actually thought, has he lost the dressing room here? Or has he lost the support of the, the players? Um, so we'll see on, on Saturday, you know, hopefully mm. we, we come flying out the traps like we did <laughs> at Brighton and get an early goal and all is all is rosy again. But um, yeah, like I say, Jack used the word untenable. Rob's kind of used the word... <laughs> disillusioned and all these sort of negative phrases that are flying around the place at the minute. So um, mm. that yeah, second half did a lot of damage. A, a place that I find myself in at the moment with, with Brendan is that I can almost draw comparisons with um, Oregon and Solskjaer at Manchester United, where it felt that he just, um, just, just almost just moved between times where he was under pressure and, and then moments that, that he was okay. And I just feel that, for me, if I was an owner of a football club, you either think he's the right man for the job or you don't. And the results are almost irrelevant. Say, for instance, if Leicester win on, on Saturday, Brendan Rodgers is going to be safe, right? You're not going to sack him after that. But then if he loses then to the next two games, he's then probably going to lose his job again. So my point being is, is that you kind of already decided before the Aston Villa game, which you won, that he wasn't the man for the job anyway. You're almost just waiting for him to lose games of football, to give it an, an excuse and a reason to sack him. And I, I do think that at the moment that Leicester are being far too reactive as opposed to, to proactive, that they're almost waiting now for Brendan Rodgers to lose another game to sack him. But if that's the case, you've already decided in your mind that you don't think he's the right manager for the job. So you may as well just do it now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this it's really hard to figure out what's going on because we clearly we don't we're not privy to those conversations. I'd, I'd imagine there is a bit of I don't think the club will be sat there going, yeah, it's great, we're bottom of the league, fine, all part of the plan. I imagine alarm bells will be ringing. I think th- there's one thing that I do think if you sack a manager, you need to know who you can bring in. So whether there is a bit of are you available? Would you be interested going on? Um, 
And uh, I don't get too into plane tracking, but Top's plane seems to be flying here, there and everywhere, which is interesting timing to say the least. Um, so it's it's really difficult to say. I mean, the, the silence from the club in a way is a bit deafening. There's not even been a vote of confidence, which in some ways is normally the final nail in the coffin for the manager. Um, they There was lots of quietness on... Uh, Twitter on the Twitter account and social media, the players haven't come out and said stuff. It all feels a little bit strange to me in terms of of the silence. Um, it seems like Wilfred indeed he did an interview today and things like that. So maybe things are starting to kick into gear. And there's a press conference tomorrow, I believe, which again will be fascinating. So it, it's really hard to say. I think time. This is a complete cop out. Time will only tell whether the club are getting it right because you know, we could win on Saturday and Rogers might still be sacked because they think they've found someone better. Um, I mean, if I was in their position, I would be assessing my options. But then I think clubs should always be assessing their options because managers are fairly disposable. They're either so good that they're going to get another job or they're so bad that they're going to get sacked. So, you know, we've been quite lucky to have them for three years, really. Surely... Surely, surely this week and, and maybe last week as well, that Leicester have been looking at potential options. Surely they've been looking and speaking to potential managers or maybe they've even had conversations with Brendan Rodgers about his future or, or taken a look at his contract in terms of what it would cost to to part ways with him. Surely, surely the club are doing something. I mean, it, Jordan... <laughs> surely the club are doing something, right? They're not just sat there waiting for Brendan Rodgers to, to lose another game of football, are they? Surely wheels are in motion, whether we know it or are aware of it or not. Surely something's going on. Yeah, and I, I think so. And I think after, particularly after Sunday's performance, that may have been accelerated. Um, I think we kind of said on the last podcast that, you know, it's going to take upwards of 20 million to sack Brendan. That looks like that's not, case it looks like it's probably half of that and and as we said you know if Leicester City are in danger of losing the Premier League status that's kind of a drop in the ocean and, and it's going to be a necessary business decision but you know I, I've always said you know I want, I want Rogers to stay in the job I think he is probably still the best man for the job looking at the alternatives out there and I, I'd love nothing more than him to turn it round but you know if, if you're in the hierarchy of the club, looking at us without a win in six, possibly eight by the international break, then that doesn't leave a huge you know, amount of time uh, to turn things around. Uh, and I, you know, the international break's normally quite a good time to, to make a change with players away and so forth. So I think the club would be looking at potential alternatives. Um, I was in a, a group the other day on WhatsApp and someone raised a very good point with it because... I've always been of the opinion there's no one out there better than Rogers. Mm. Um, you know, you looked at you know the likes of Deitch and and so on. But the point was that when Puel got sacked, did, did you think we could bring in Brendan Rogers? I didn't think that would be possible. Um, and he's he's had a very successful spell here. Uh, and Jack kind of alluded to it a couple of weeks ago. You know, you need to bring if you bring in a new manager, you need to give them like uh, something for them to come here for. Um, and give them a reason to come, which at the minute there doesn't seem many. But, you know, we're still an attractive proposition with 
Um, a very talented squad, fantastic facilities, fantastic training ground, expanding the stadium potentially. Um, I think we, I think we would be able to attract some good quality managers. Uh, you know, I know we'll kind of come on to who might be available or the sort of merry-go-round of managers. But yeah, I think the, I think after Sunday in particular, the the club kind of the hierarchy might have woken up a little bit and thought, hang on, this is a little more serious than we we might have thought. But I, I do actually like that the club haven't come out and given him a vote of confidence and they've been fairly quiet because, you know, I don't, I don't want to see us make any knee-jerk reactions and press the panic button too early. But like you say, Jake, another couple of losses and, you know, it could be too late. So it's very difficult. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the, the club have got maybe one or two managers um, potentially lined up. Jordan... Got, Go sorry, Jay. George, the the point I was trying, I was going to make was, can, can we get a be- manager that's better than Rogers or the ma- or the manager that Rogers has been for us? In my mind, I think that's very very difficult because if you look at it, he's one of the most successful managers in the club's history. Can we get a manager that's better than Rogers is currently? Like, definitely, I would say because the players need a need a lift, and I think I think that's the call the club of basically got to make I think I think it's sort of reaching the heights that we've hit is going to be very very difficult and this is probably going to sound really doom and gloom but I mean in my mind all the big clubs went off and asked for the Super League and they've sort of got it in you know not in name but they've got what they wanted with the new financial fair play restrictions which make it really really hard to compete and I think it gets harder and harder every year because the bigger clubs just have more license to spend more money so i think that the context of which the club is operating in is is changing and i think we almost need someone that's fit for us to operate in in that new environment and that's probably about being the best side in the other 14 than really trying to challenge the top six which is probably a slight change um but whether rogers can do that with you know a guy that's got such aspirations on the top six. I mean, clearly you can't do it currently because um, he can't get as a result against anyone. But, where, you know, the person to do that in future, I think, is, is probably not Rogers anyway. So let's talk about the person who could potentially um, be that person to do it in the future. It's definitely not going to be Graham Potter. Um, well, I mean, we're waiting for confirmation as we record, but it looks like he will be the new Chelsea head coach. I know, Jack, you, you've probably got an opinion on that one because, you know, Graham Potter's been previously mentioned as a as a as a manager that some Leicester fans would like and you haven't I think I'm correct in saying being a bit of a, of a believer well so that so I think he's a really he's got good Chelsea job mm. I, I I think it's fascinating he's got the Chelsea job um fascinating I did think uh Bowley or however you pronounce his name I thought he's taken over the recruitment because he didn't like what the recruitment team were doing I think he's watched enough game of football games of football now that he was going to take over the management so I'm slightly disappointed that he's not taken over there um I I don't know with Potter because I think I I mean clearly after Sunday he's he's a good manager but Brighton seem to sort of phase in and phase out during seasons they don't score a lot of goals he's going to Chelsea well we think he's going to Chelsea um who knows what could happen but you know Chelsea don't have a goal scorer really um so and they've got a lot of centre backs. So the the system's kind of set up very similar to Brighton, but I don't think he's you know he's not won trophies. If you compare his record 
over the last three years versus Brendan Rodgers. And I know there's yeah. different different budgets involved. You know, I think Todd should get on the phone to Brendan and and take him and do us all a favour. But um, but yeah, I'm not. I, I'm really I'm really intrigued to see what Potter can do. I don't I don't see him as the Messiah that everyone else sees him at. I think. Um, until Sunday, I'd never really been that impressed by a Brighton side that had played us. Even last year, I, I thought we were a far better side. I think there are other managers in the division that I've watched their teams and thought, oh, they, they've got a real way about how they play, which I'll come on to in a bit. No, I, no, I, who, do it now. I, who, who do you like? I'm, I'm a massive fan of Thomas Frank. Um, and I know he hasn't always endeared himself to Leicester fans. But firstly... I like the fact that he's absolutely batshit mental. Like, <laughs> yes, he the is. Guy, the, guy, the guy is crazy. And I think you have to Look, be crazy looks, to be... sounds, a... acts crazy. He yeah, really does. And I love that about him. The second <laughs> fact is he he never digs his players. He loves his players. He never digs them out. He's always blaming the referee, the fact that Castagna scored a screamer and he never scored one in his life. He'll blame anyone else but his team. And I, I love that from a mentality point of view. The third thing was I watched a video of Ben Mee when he signed for Burnley and he said um, that he, he's got a no dickheads policy um, right. at, uh, at Brentford. And, Can't manage Leicester then. <laughs> well, he's got some work to do, clearly. Um, I, I, I just think he's got a real clear, clear sort of philosophy and he's got a real bit of personality about him. He sort of, and he, he sort of reminds me of O'Neill in a way because O'Neill was a bit mad. Jordan, you're going to groan at this because I know you're not a fan. <laughs> but also, I, I also like the way that his teams play. They make the pitch really big. They move the ball very quickly. Um, and in certainly the away game last year, I thought they completely outplayed us. Um, and yeah. we were a bit lucky to get away with that. So um, whether we get him and whether he's expensive and Brentford are a very run club, very well-run club, and he might be looking at them going, I've got more of a chance here. Who knows? But he would, uh, I'm definitely a fan of his. Go on then, Jordan. Thoughts on that? Do you like Thomas Frank? And um, if not, if so, um, throw in another name as well, if you want. Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I wanted to respond to Jack's point that he made a very good point. Um, <laughs> not about Martin O'Neill. <laughs> well, I can see Martin O'Neill in him, yeah, when he used to jump up and down in his tracksuit on the touchline. But, you know, like, like Jack said, you know, and I know we're on UEFA's watch list or whatever that is. I'm sure the top six aren't, though. Um, but we we came so close to cracking this top four, top six, and it looks like this year is going to be a very different season, a much more transitional season. And Rogers is clearly a very ambitious and good coach who's done a very good job. And to keep the girlfriend analogies going, I think I mentioned it last week off uh, the pod, but it kind of feels like Rogers and the board want different things. Um, so sometimes when you want different things, you have to go your separate ways. Um, so we'll keep up the relationship analogies, which are not my forte. But um, like I say, I'd like Rogers to, to stay and turn it around. But Thomas Frank, very good, very good manager, very good coach. And I lived in Brentford for a long time uh, before I moved back to God's County of Leicestershire. And uh, I remember when he came in, um, a few of my mates who were Brentford fans were, were like, who is this guy? Like, he's so enigmatic. Yeah. But, you know, they got to the playoff final. They sold um, 
Watkins and Ben Rama and went Mope. one better yeah, the year a, after. Yeah, Mope as well, Mope didn't they? As well, yeah. So you know, they've got a very similar sort of recruitment strategy. I know the majority of their players seem to come from Denmark. Um, but yeah. He, Yannick will be delighted. <laughs> Bring back Casper. Don't. Um, don't. Um, but yeah, he, he's clearly a very good coach. Now, the, the part of the thing really interests me because um, a few of my friends have given me a little bit of stick for me saying that Brighton are still nowhere as good as Leicester. Um, I stand by that, although they did look very good on Sunday, but that's, that wasn't the hardest. Um, Potter to Chelsea gives me a bit of uh, Peter Taylor and Ian Holloway vibes for me, because I just think, you know, you, it's like comparing apples and pears, like Brighton are nowhere near the same club Chelsea are. And, you know, Potter's record is, you know, he's done a good job at Brighton, but is he the man to deliver Premier League trophies and European trophies at Chelsea and deal with these kind of huge players? I'm not sure. I mean, if we if we'd have let Rogers go and got Potter in, I'm not sure I would have been entirely happy. But um, that's that's not for me to worry about Chelsea, to be honest. But yeah, look, if if the situation is that it's going to be a transitional year, and like Jack says, we're going to be the the best of the rest, then you know maybe Rogers has taken us as far as he can, you know, in terms of his own project, and maybe the club needs to freshen up. Freshen up the management. You know, we kind of alluded to it last week. The easiest thing to do is change the manager when you're struggling because it gives you a little boost. But you know, you look at sides like who, who you know we're competing with. Sides like Wolves. I'd never heard of the manager when they got him in. Um, West Ham got Moyes. Moyes wasn't the most glamorous name. Um, you know, Newcastle got Eddie Howe. Very safe pair of hands. Obviously, Villa are struggling. And they, they've got Gerrard, but. The, 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 you know, Everton have got Lampard, who's, who's not the most experienced, but there, there are managers out there that, that could suit what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, looking back through, through our history, like, I remember when we got Pearson, I was like, this is, you know, I knew he was, but I was like, well, he's only been in management like one or two, two years at this level. And then next thing, we're in the Premier League. So um, sometimes it's just, you know, it's just a perfect fit. Um, and I think Rogers was that at the time. And maybe... Maybe we, we we need to go our separate ways. <laughs> Maybe we don't want the same things anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, in terms of the the list of potential candidates, I think there's some in there which I just don't think we've got a cat in hell's chance of getting. And then the rest, I'm just not remotely um, interested in terms of thinking: Are they better than Brendan Rodgers? No. Um, or just just in general, would I want to see a Leicester team be managed by that person? And I, I'm, I am saying Sean Dyche in that one. I have huge respect for him. I think he is a good coach, but I don't think he's the right person for us. I really, really don't. Um, and you go through the, the list of the other managers. I mean, obviously, Graham Potter's now no longer there. That would have been my absolute top target. Now, um, Jack, shut me down and call me an idiot, but I'm going to say it. Um, Bristol City are currently going really well in the championship at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an idiot. Um, it's the best idea ever. Bring him home. I, I love Nigel Pearson so, so much. I really do. And I have to say, I'm I'm actually really surprised that, that post-Leicester, he hasn't had more success as, as a coach. He, he failed at Derby, didn't he? But wasn't given very long. He was unfairly sacked by, by Watford. But I mean, frankly, you know, Pep would get sacked. By Watford and and at Bristol City, he, he has been close to the sack a couple of times, but appears to have now turned it round, and it, and 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 is now perhaps 
showing and proving himself to be a good manager again. Is it the most absurd thing in the world to suggest Nigel Pearson? Or, or, or is he actually just a really good fit for this football club? Because I, I think I'd be, I'd be well, open I, to it, you know. I think I it's, really a great, it's a great idea, Jake. I think often with managers, we look at one person when there's an entire coaching team of people. And I think what Pearson did very well was there was a very, when he was with us, there was a very coherent bunches of coaches, right? So there was Shaky, Steve Walsh, um, various others, um, and the whole system, you know, Kevin Phillips for a time, Chris Powell, the whole system worked quite well together. He has never, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's got the band back together since um, he's left us because Shaky stayed on and obviously um, got a job. Steve Walsh went to Everton. So, I think whether it's those individuals or whether it's someone else, I don't think it's the worst shot in the world. My alternative um, option is if we can't get a decent manager now, I would give, I would get Dyson and just give him till the end of the season and just say, keep us up. You'll put yourself in the shop, shop window, give him a nine month contract. And then we've got eight players out of contract in the summer you then get a new manager in and just completely rebuild in the summer because I think we are transitioning and you've basically got to go, we've got to stay in the division because, I mean, we've not even talked about that yet. And I know it's only six games in and we think we should be all right, but, you know, that could be start becoming a real possibility if we're not if we're not careful. So that would be my alternative option. And I, I think he'd be desperate for the job, even if it was only for a year, just to get himself back in the window. Would you have Daishi, Jordan? Not a chance. I just can't. I can't bring myself to seeing Steve, uh, Sean Dyche's blue and white army. Um, but yeah, look, we are in a transitional phase. The, the funny thing is, Pearson is probably the perfect man to get you out of the situation that we're in. But um, again, enough of the the, the girlfriend analogies. But never go back. Surely that's got to be one of your mantras, Jake. I've gone back to every single one, George. <laughs> This is a ridiculous suggestion. Um, But I was thinking the other day, do you know what? I would just love to see Jamie Vardy play a manager. Just whether we, even if we (laughs) went down. That terrifies me. Even if we went down. no. Can you imagine it? It would be chaos. It'd be absolutely fantastic. (laughs) I can't can't ever imagine that scenario. And, And, you know, as much as I love Jamie, I don't think he's cut out for for being a manager. I may be being unfair, but um, I don't think I am at the same time. <laughs> Can you imagine if we sacked Rogers and then then came out a week later, oh, the new Leicester City manager is Jamie Vardy. But, oh, mm. Would that surprise you with Leicester City? Because everything else has happened at this club, so why not? Mm, yeah. Why not? Um, shall we then talk about Aston Villa and this weekend? Um, should we do that? Yeah. We should do. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this podcast has been a very serious one today. Yeah, it has, oh, isn't it? What, what do you think Aston Villa is going to be a barrel of laughs? <laughs>, <laughs> well, it, it, it could be. It could be up, up in the second half of the weekend. Uh, it's, right, Jake, we, you, we're, we're all go, going, aren't we? Yeah. yeah I, so. can, you, can you remember the conversation we had when we were starting to talk about this podcast and we talked about Aston Villa and Forest fans both saying that they were going to have like an amazing season? Um, and the fact that we now occupy the bottom three 
um i think there's a great irony in that because we never thought yeah. we'd have a particularly great season but um but yeah normally i i i know a lot of villa fans so it's normally a big sort of uh big game for me but i i'm 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 going with fear and trepidation, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, no, there, there was lots of Villa and Forest fans there. You, you tweeted me similar things, and I'd love to, to tweet them back. But unfortunately, I've got very little leverage at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, from a vantage point, actually, it's quite good leverage from, from coming from below. But um, yeah, 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 no, it's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Um, I have to say as well, I'm dreading it. And, you know, as, as Leicester fans, look, we've, we've been here many times before, you know, it's, you know, I, I often have to, to, to say this to, to fans of, of big six clubs, you know, particularly Chelsea fans over the last couple of weeks, they've been complaining and moaning and thinking, do you guys have any idea what it's actually like to support a real football club? You know, managers get sacked, we move on. Yes, it's, it's not, you know, really fun at the time, but it's it's just football. Sometimes at the bottom, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. And and at the moment, Leicester find themselves in a position where they've been many times before, where it's not you know massively fun to to go and watch. But it doesn't stop us from going along. You know, I will be there. I've got a bloody bus replacement all the way from London up to to Leicester, which is going to take me God knows how many hours and cost me a stupid amount of money. But I'll still do it without you know a moment's hesitation because we're, we're Leicester City fans, and that's kind of what we've signed up for. And, um, you know, and that's kind of comes from a point that I fully expect us to lose on Saturday. I do. And I fully expect the atmosphere in the King Power Stadium to be horrible. I really do. I, honestly, I would be amazed if it's anything other than that. Everything that we saw on Sunday against Brighton was kind of everything we'd seen previously, but, you know, heightened even further. I just think that this this snowball or this ball of whatever is just gathering more and more pace, more um size and it only ends one way and I just I just want it to be all over you know and I and don't want Leicester to lose ever you know of course I don't but at the same time I just want to Brendan and and the rest of us just be put out of our misery you know and, and if that means that we lose on Saturday and then that's the end of it then then I think I would accept that <laughs> I mean <laughs> What, what do you think of that? Would, would you accept you know, a Leicester defeat? And, you know, are you wanting to be put out of your misery as well? Firstly, what a monologue, Jake. <laughs> yeah, that was like Dear Diary. Um, <laughs> I could have gone on. I, I, I'm, I'm expecting it to be pretty miserable. I don't I don't want it to be miserable. It reminds me, uh, you know, the, the last time we got relegated... I don't, but you know, there was like someone that came on the pitch and started having a go at Walker, and he went after a fan. It, mm. I, it I'm not saying it's going to get like that, and I hope it doesn't. But it, it feels like quite a poisonous atmosphere at the moment. And I know you read social media and 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 you go, it's not that bad. But it, it I think everyone's gone now. Like I'm in a WhatsApp yeah. group, about 15 of us. Like even the most sensi- sensible, you know, like change resistant people are going now nah, he's got to go and and i think everyone's turned and i just think that level of frustration is is really free i mean in a in a weird way like the fan base has never been so united um which which is great because we're crying out for that but you know it'd be nice if it was a bit more positive because i'm i'm not you know this talk of people flying planes overhead and and all sorts and i i just you know I, is that top not, private not, jet? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, top will be uh, top will be riding it over then. I hope that Brendan resigns. Um, it's cheaper. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. It's um, 
I'm fascinated to see what sort of atmosphere it, it's like. And I hope everyone, you know, at least tries to get behind the boys. But I, I, I sympathise because it's, it's difficult at the moment. George? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've tried to remain positive this season and it's not really worked. So I'm going to change my tack and I'm going to try and be negative and see if it has the opposite effect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, if we've, if we have become one of those clubs where people are flying aeroplanes with messages over the King Power Stadium, just fold the club now and just start again <laughs> because I don't want to support a club that ends up like Manchester United. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they score first, I could just see it being absolutely horrible. I might just stay in the concourse for 90 minutes because we normally score when I'm in the concourse. Um, so that that might help. But <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if we do win, it just gives you that glimmer of hope that, yeah, you know, it, it, your heart overrules your head and you think, oh, maybe we're back. Maybe we're actually all going to be all right again. The annoying but it thing is, is, it is, it is false hope, though, isn't it? In terms of what I was yeah. saying earlier, that ultimately all it does is just delay the inevitable. Because the next time he loses a couple of games, we're going to be in the exact same position as what we find ourselves in right now. So, um, sorry, Jordan, carry on. <laughs> no, it does seem that way. Like, as I said, we can't go into the international break without a win. And if we do win, I mean, it's frustrating. We've got Tottenham, who look one of the best sides around at the minute. And we've had a pretty difficult start anyway. I mean, I know Brentford at home on the opening day and um, Brighton, but they've both started really well as well. So, they, you know, they're, they're no mugs either. But it, we have had a really tough start. And then after the international break, we've got a run of winnable fixtures, at least on paper. So at the minute, it, it does seem like, you know, even if we win, it's kind of, we're still in the same position. You know, we're still in square one. At square one. Um, and as you mentioned, Forest and Villa, actually, Jake, um, I was really that added added insult to injury on Sunday because I've got a few fans, that are, a few friends that are Forest fans, and there's you know it's it's just good humour. Why? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I don't know, but it, you know, obviously they've been piping up all summer, and I just thought if we can beat Brighton, they'll be bottom of the league already. And obviously they made a new signing today, by the way. Did you see? Oh, what a surprise. I think they're on 22 now. Who have they signed today? How have they signed a player today? Uh, Sir Jorie. It was, it was oh, a, God. A, uh, what's, the, what's the word? A free agent. Yeah, yeah. He was unattached. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. They, they, they lost last week, so obviously they needed to sign another defender. Well, yeah, there you yeah. go. Especially after they were tuning up and lost 3-2. I thought if we can win and go above them after six games and we've been rubbish and they'd still be bottom after spending 300 million, that'd be <laughs> brilliant. But... Oh. I have a I, I have a a theory. I don't know whether it's a nightmare or a dream, but but my um, someone I work with very closely is a Forest season ticket holder. He's actually he's he's all right. He's pretty sensible. But apparently their fans turned on Cooper on Saturday. Yeah. And then I read the article in the Athletic, which says their owner is going to vote with the big uh, with the big six. Thinks you know they should be part of the big six because they won the European Cup. Not that they ever mention it. Um. Uh, so I reckon Cooper will get sacked, and then I, I can well imagine Brodge walking out in the in the forest dugout when we play them. <laughs> can you imagine? I wouldn't put it past this club. Anything. Yeah. No, but I, and also, do you know what? I can see Brendan doing a really, really good job for two years. <laughs> and well, do we do we get Steve Cooper? I wouldn't mind Steve Cooper to be fair. Yeah. 
But I've even seen people, you know, talking about, you know, whether it be Thomas Tuchel or, or Graham Potter doing some kind of swap because, you know, Brendan Rodgers pro- will probably walk into a, a decent job again because he's a very decent manager. But at the same time, I'm looking at Steve Cooper, I'm looking at Graham Potter and, and frankly, anyone thinking, oh, I'll have them. No, um, Gerard's where I draw the line. Gerard's yeah. so like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that one. Until Villa go three and up after half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy's good, isn't he? Can we have him? <laughs> I'm already. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or dreading it, but I'm already thinking about the first emergency podcast after we've had a few pints at six o'clock on a Saturday night. That that worries me. I think mm. that could worry listeners. <laughs> but let's Brace stay positive. Yourself. If we win, if we win on Saturday, we're we're up and running. <laughs> you don't even believe that. That's the thing, Jordan. That's no, the funny no, no, thing. No, you're, you're, you're literally just saying that because you feel like you have to bring some kind of positive. You kept, to the you kept the act up for two episodes. Yeah, yeah. And now you've dropped it. Um, there was absolutely I, no. Um, what's the word? Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking no for? Conviction. Yeah, conviction. There was nothing what? about that at all. My dad said that to me yesterday. He was like, "You know, we might win on Saturday." And I was like, "Yeah, but we won't." He was like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're right. We won't." <laughs> yeah oh dear right um i think we should end that there um we're all in the same place fearing the worst expecting the worst um and yeah we're maybe convincing ourselves trying to tell ourselves that it could be something different but but hey that's the life as a football fan um Jordan, and again, I'm going to mention as well one of the only reasons I'm actually going on Saturday is is oh, I need to see you to to get my ticket for the for the Spurs game as well. Very true. Um, Very yes. True. So if I wasn't going, I'm thinking, ah, no, but I actually do need to go. I need to get that ticket for Spurs again, which inevitably will probably be like a three or four nil defeat um, because. Not only are we not very good, Spurs always beat us, and Harry Kane always scores at least two goals against us. Um, yeah. But we'll do that podcast in a, in, a, in a week's or so's time, won't we? And hopefully it's a little more positive than this one. But as you can tell, we don't really feel like it at the minute. No, I was going to say, has anyone got a joke they want to tell at the end so we can end <laughs> on a lighter note? But I mean, I've, I've, I've not got anything. Jack, have you got, have you got like, uh, a really, hear something really quite crap funny. dad joke? Yeah, go no, on. no, it's not a crap dad joke. I did hear something quite funny that... Um, top plane has been flying around and it was in Zagreb uh, and the only reason it was there was to give Fafana his dummy at, dummy back after he spat <laughs> it out. Very good. Sports Social Podcast Network.